0: This morning, God's Word comes to us from Matthew chapter 21. Matthew 21, I encourage you to turn there at this time, and we'll be reading just the first 19 verses of this chapter. Matthew 21, beginning at verse 1, what we hear now is God's Word. This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers." And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read, Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise? And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. In the morning, as he was returning to the city, he became hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And he said to it, may no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. Here we end the reading of God's Holy Word. Well, this morning, you may have noticed by the songs and perhaps by your calendar, uh, this morning is Palm Sunday, a day that we recall uh, Jesus riding into Jerusalem uh, to the cheer of the crowds, greeted with uh, joy and celebration. We call this the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Two years ago, uh, on Palm Sunday, uh, I did not preach a particular Palm Sunday message. And someone asked me after church, you know, you didn't preach on Palm Sunday today. And I tried to kind of sidestep that question a bit. Uh, last year, I was asked again by someone else, you know, you didn't, you didn't preach in the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday. Why was that? And tried to give a little bit more of an answer. The reason I have not preached on Palm Sunday and the triumphal entry for the last couple of years is because I am I'm troubled by the way we often remember this story. We often read this as a glorious thing for Jesus. He is coming into Jerusalem, into the holy city, and the crowds are thronging around him and praising him. Children calling out as well. But I guess I I, I would ask the question this morning, was this a triumphal entry for Jesus? The view which I hold regarding the triumphal entry is nothing new, it is not simply my own is a view that is held by evangelical scholars like RT France and even suggested by a name that might be more familiar to you the reformed scholar William Hendrickson that, that palm sunday was not a triumph for Christ which is why the sermon title this morning is palm is the triumphal entry question mark was this sunday a triumph in the life of Christ? We will look at that question as we we look at this text together. I'm gonna suggest that that the triumph was not his on Palm Sunday. If we look at what's going on here, this event, this triumphal entry event, while it might seem to be um, somewhat spur of the moment, is actually very carefully planned and arranged. There's a lot going on, we might say, behind the scenes here. One is, they are coming to Jerusalem from Bethany, which is near Bethphage. Now, if you think about what had taken place in Bethany before. It was in Bethany that Jesus would raise Lazarus from the dead. And not just from the dead, after he'd been in the ground for a couple days, Jesus would do a miraculous thing in Bethany, and that's where he's coming from. And so there would be excitement. He's been back in Bethany. They would remember, remember last time he was here, how he raised that guy from the dead? What will he do this time? What's next for him? There's There's a great sense of expectation as Jesus comes from Bethany to Bethphage and then on to Jerusalem. It is the time of the Passover. In the Passover, they would remember the past. They would remember God's deliverance for his people, deliverance from captivity. Remember, children, how Moses would lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? And they would then later enter the promised land. There was this expectation of deliverance from captivity. That was on their minds. And they had been told, one even greater than Moses will come and give you deliverance. And they were looking for that one greater than Moses to give them deliverance, deliverance from the oversight of Rome. They wanted to be free once again. And so there are great expectations at this time, this time of Passover. We have this this interesting story of procuring the donkey. Verse 2, Jesus says to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them. Jesus sends his disciples to go and find this donkey and this colt to untie them and to bring them to him. And if anybody asks, why are you doing this? They are simply to say, the Lord needs him. The Lord needs them is, is language of kingly acquisition. The king had the authority to take whatever was necessary for him. And so as they come and take this colt and this donkey, they simply say, the Lord needs them. The king is requisitioning them. And they would take them. And and we have this reference to prophecy. Prophecy which they would know. Verse 5. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Behold, your king is coming. A kingly entrance. Jesus enters Jerusalem on a donkey at this time and in this manner. This is the only time in Scripture we read of Jesus riding on a donkey. Every other time, he walks where he's going. And he, he could have walked this as well. It's a mere two miles or so. So he deliberately chooses to enter at this time and in this way, riding on a donkey. And he comes to the temple. And we see, we see two things going on as he enters into the temple. Verse 12, And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables, the money changers, and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, and you make it a den of robbers. My house! This is my house! And he will drive out those who do not belong. Again, as a victorious king, coming and claiming that which is his own. And then, then beyond that in verse 14, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Now what's so significant about that? Jesus had done healings before. The blind and the lame came to him in his house in the temple. Those who were blind and lame were by law barred from entrance into the temple. And now they enter, and beyond that they are healed. The messianic expectation, the hope of the one to come and relieve their burdens, all of these things taking place. The stage is set, all the pieces are in place. This, this, this entry, carefully arranged, it is no surprise. It is no surprise with all of these things going on that the crowd responds the way they do, with joy. They respond with joy as they see Him. Verse 9, And the crowds that went before Him and the crowds that followed Him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! Their words fit their expectations! They were looking for a king to deliver them and they see all of these things coming together and they say, Hosanna, the word means save us. Salvation is here. This is the one we've been waiting for. And they joyfully, it seems, receive this one who comes. Blessed is the one. Hosanna to the son of David. A kingly title, a royal title. There had been a promise that there will always be a king on David's throne. And now this one comes entering. the Son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That reference back to Psalm 118, that psalm that I read at the beginning of our service today. Psalm 118, open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us! Hosanna, save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Verse 26, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. All this expectation, all this hope, now focused on this one who comes riding into the city. The children also, parroting what their parents have said, they will cry out, Hosanna to the son of David. So much so, so, much, uh, so many things going on that the, the leaders are upset about all this noise. Verse 15, And they said to him, do you not hear these things that they are saying? And Jesus says, yes. And he once again quotes from the scriptures referring to himself. And back in verse 10, as he's entering Jerusalem, verse 10, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd says, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. This is the prophet The one we have been waiting for. Not a prophet. This is not a prophet. This is the prophet. He comes and in their minds fulfilling all their expectations. And so they call out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. With all of that being true, why would I question whether this is a triumphal entry. Why the question mark after the title of this sermon? This entry into Jerusalem, this triumphal entry, is connected with this strange story that we have in verse 18 and following, the story of the cursing of the fig tree. And as some authors have suggested, it is in this little story of the cursing of the fig tree, we get, we get a key to understanding what is really going on as Jesus rides into Jerusalem. Children, fig trees are a little different than other trees. On most trees, when they uh, grow, what you see first is leaves. There are leaves on the trees. And then later, you see the fruit that comes on the tree. So a tree grows, uh, first we see the leaves, and then later the buds turn into fruit. The leaves come first, the fruit comes later. That's not the way it is with a fig tree. In a fig tree, it gets both its fruit and its leaves at the same time. And at times, the fruit even precedes the leaves. The fruit is there first before the leaves. So on a fig tree... If you see leaves, you expect to find fruit. Not so with one of our trees. You can see leaves and there's no fruit yet. But on a fig tree, if there are leaves there, there should be fruit there as well. Verse 18. In the morning, as he was returning to the city, he became hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside... He went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. He only found the leaves. Now, you would expect on a fig tree, if there are leaves, there better be fruit there because the fruit comes before the leaves. He comes and he finds only leaves, no fruit. And so he says to it, may no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. He sees the leaves, expects to find fruit, but finds only leaves. Again, one author has suggested this is a visible parable of what is going on as Jesus entered into Jerusalem. There is every expectation that he would be received as the Messiah, all these things pointing forward to him. Every expectation he would be acknowledged as the true king and it appears that may be what the crowd is doing, but is that really what they are doing? we see this crowd, this throng around Jesus that on Sunday is saying, Hosanna. Only a few days later, the cry of Hosanna becomes the cry, crucify him, crucify him. Jesus goes to the temple expecting to find fruit, expecting to find a proper worship going on, but he finds only the the, the money changers. He expects to find fruit, but finds only leaves, only the externals, no substance. We read from the parallel passages, the crowds that would throng Jesus on this Sunday begin to dwindle away. Until finally, in verse uh, 15, it is only the children who are left, who are crying, Hosanna, parroting, what they have heard her parents, their parents say. Was this a triumph in the life of Jesus? I would suggest it was simply one more step in his passion and his suffering, they were not truly embracing him. It was leaves, it was, it was the ephemeral, it was not real, there was no substance. Because he comes in writing on a donkey. A donkey is a symbol of humility, a symbol of service. Jesus enters as a servant king. He is not there to liberate them from the tyranny of Rome. He is not there as a political king. That's what they wanted. The expectation of a king to come and liberate them from Rome. They didn't want a king to come riding on a donkey. They wanted a king to get off the donkey and ride his war horse. And to show his power and his might. He, but he, that is not what he does. Oh, he enters as royalty, but he's a donkey riding king, not a warhorse king. And their, their cries of Hosanna are quickly forgotten, only a few days later, becoming crucify him. There are leaves, but no Real fruit. This time of year, we think about the passion, suffering of Christ. We think about Palm Sunday and this coming Friday, we will again gather via live stream for our Good Friday evening service and next Sunday morning for our Easter service. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, what kind of king are we looking for? Are we looking for a king of externals only? The king of the health and wealth gospel. Believe in Jesus, everything will be fine for you. Jesus comes a servant king, a donkey-riding king. He comes to serve, and he calls us to serve. Is that the king we embrace on this Lord's day? One who calls us to be a servant as he was a servant. I know that um, some of you on Facebook uh, have, uh, have put palm leaves on your uh, profile picture. I know that there was a discussion about uh, putting uh, leaves outside of our front doors to symbolize Palm I and mean, That's all fine. That's all good. But make sure it's not just leaves. There has to be fruit there behind it. We do not simply look for symbolism over substance. But we recognize that those leaves must be an evidence of fruit that is already there. A heart devoted to Christ. A willingness to serve Him and to serve others. This is the king that comes. This is the donkey riding king. The servant king. Now, I would suggest that this triumphal entry was not a triumph for Jesus. It was not real praise he was receiving. It was only the leaves. There was no fruit. one more step in his humiliation. One more step as the cries of Hosanna would turn to crucify. No, the triumph on Palm Sunday was not a triumph for Christ. It was a triumph for us. That we would have a king who would come and humble himself for us. We would have a king who would come and bring true liberation. Oh, not from some external enemy, but liberation from the captivity of sin itself. This is the triumph. The triumph was not his, the triumph is ours. He would lay aside his glory. The triumph is not for the king, the triumph is for the kingdom because He enters and is not ashamed to ride into Jerusalem, to go to the Passover. He will not despise the road all the way to the cross, but will go all the way to death for the sake of His people. It is our triumph on this Palm Sunday, on this day, and on every Lord's day when we celebrate the work of of Jesus Christ. He humbled himself that we might be lifted up. And it is that it is that humble king who calls us to put our faith in him. If you are looking for the externals, for the leaves, for the king who is flashy, all that you're going to find is leaves. And Jesus says you will never bear fruit again. But when you place your faith in the Jesus of the Bible, the humble servant who would give up his own life for his people and then God would exalt him, not on this Sunday, God would exalt him on that next Lord's day when he would be raised from the dead. Put your faith and trust in him and know that when you do, It affects how you live. Having placed our trust in Jesus Christ, there now has to be fruit from that, fruit on the tree that is given to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's Palm Sunday. We look at the triumphal entry. What kind of king are you looking for? A king to liberate you from the externals of life or a king who has come to liberate you from the captivity of sin and promise you life forever with him. That is the triumph that we celebrate on this Lord's Day. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we praise you.